0: Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nice and Saturday Arvo, supported by Lacole. This podcast, they make it possible. This is the Criterium de Dauphinate Stage 7 recap, the first big mountain stage. And this was a bounce. I really loved it, actually. It yep. was super exciting on the final climb. This is a great stage. I encourage you to go watch the final climb. 172 Ks. Col du Pre, 13K, 7.7%. It's a flat first 100 meters before that climb. We saw footage starting live images really late at the top of the Cornet de Roselon, 6K, 6% after a false summit after the Col du Pre, then a long descent and then a valley before La Plana, up to 22,064 meters, 17K, 7.4% up. It's super regular, very consistent gradients. And if you've got a strong train, you can do big, big damage on this climb and yeah benji and i were super excited about it because this is a big weekend of gc action at the criterium the dauphine but when footage did start, benji what did we see and who was taking control in the gc group
1: when the race started we had that flat section before the climb start and on that flat section it's easier for rulers to get in the breakaway so for example you've got a michael bjeric a marco Haller, a velgren those type of riders but we also had climbers that were in the breakaway today. We had Craddock once again. This time around, he wasn't the strongest rider in the breakaway. Jorge Arcas for Movistar, so a potential satellite rider for that team. Kenny Alisson for Trek Segafredo. Martín Tussfeldt for DSM. We've got Roland there as well. Steph Kras for Lotto Soudal. And also Bonamour, a teammate for Pierre Roland. It seemed like Pierre Roland was interested in potentially uh, gaining the KOM points on on the stage, but that wasn't the most important battle on today's stage because we went on to the du d'Hôpée. And we noticed that, well, two of the breakaway riders were already dropping. The teammate of Roland Bonamour, but also Steph Kras, was getting caught by the peloton. Then on to Comé de Roselon. We finally got proper images near the top, a bit into the descent already for some regions. And we noticed that in the peloton, Movistar was taking control with Erviti at the front of the peloton, setting a decent pace. Breakaway lost a few of its candidates before the actual top of the Comé de Roselon, as... The rulers tried to get rid of the climbers before the final climb of the day, La Plagne, and that offered the option for a Valgrin to get in the breakaway and launch away from the other companions together with a few of the other people in the breakaway. So with Holler that was. Then the second group was Pierre holland for example, with an Elison So the climbers were a bit behind there. Now the interesting thing is that on screen it said Hundal, and I wasn't sure like this is Valgren now because like this I didn't know he also had name, Hündal, but yeah, small detail, I guess. Nonetheless, Peloton, Movistar, they were setting up for something, breakaway, we had the climbers a tiny bit behind the rulers, going into the final climb, which is La Plagne, and that's where the action started. Movistar still had Arcaus a bit ahead, he wasn't caught yet, so he could come into play later on, but they were really setting up a decent pace at the start of the climb. Erviti was already off the front by that point, and we saw that Verona was starting to take over, and... To be fairly honest, I thought, yeah, Movistar is ready. Lopez is going to do something here. But at a certain point, a different team was coming to the front and was taking over their pacing.
0: Yeah, Ineos came to the front with, I think, Amador. So their train is Amador, Van Baal, Kwiatkowski, actually Kwiatkowski before Van Baal, and then Rodriguez, Gegenhart, and Port, as well as Thomas. So Port and Thomas, are probably their GC guys. And it was pretty obvious to me, and it was obvious to Movistar that Ineos are riding a defensive false pace. They often do do this. They move to the front quickly, and then they slow it right back down. And you can see the group bunching up behind them. And Movistar called their bluff. They came back to the front. They then had uh, Arcas up the road. And Movistar basically just started drilling this and putting a lot of riders under pressure. They've got I think Mas is like a minute plus back on GC, so not ideal because of his TT was so bad. And Lopez is not as far back, but still needing to make up a lot of time. So Ineos have the port card to play because his TT was so good. And the big question we were thinking of is when Irvati finishes his pull, will Alejandro Valverde make good on his promise from yesterday and pull hard for Miguel Ángel López? Or will Mas even pull? Because... It's no good. We've got like 8Ks, 9Ks, 9Ks plus left in this climb over 20 minutes. It's no good just pulling for the first 5Ks and then just having your 3 leaders or 2 leaders just sit there and no one else pulling for them. They're not going to, it's too far for them to attack. But the climb opened up really early because Valverde did do that pull. And then there was no plan B for Movistar after Valverde pulls off and goes back into the groove. He didn't pull fully their port immediately attacks off the front for Ineos because Lopez and Mas, they'd gone back 10th, 11th wheel, I think to mark Sepp I don't really understand. And yeah, look, port attacks. Mas then bridges to him. Then mark Padun for Bahrain Victorious and Coos bridge to that group. So Coos is far back on GC. Padun is really far back on GC, not a threat at all. And eventually Padun and Coos attack off the port and Mas group. So there's a bit of... Port was pulling a lot. Musk was sitting and marking him, which I think is pretty sensible, uh, especially if Port's going to ride for him, and Paduan and Koos going for the stage. Koos follows Paduan, and we're thinking, well, Ineos won't be too mad about this. They can let Koos have 30 seconds. His TT lost so much time, and Paduan's so far back on GC. Paduan and Koos relaying initially back in the GC group. So we, Then we've got three groups on the road, Paduan and and then Port pacing Mus, not a bad outcome for Movistar, I don't think. And then Isagira pacing the GC group for the Luchenko. So yeah, a bit weird for Ineos, maybe not the ideal outcome. Um, but Izaguirre is losing time. He's losing first 25, 35, then it's up to 50 seconds. He's losing to Padun and he's not really gaining on. Like it's basically Port against Isagira, and Port is a quick, is better on the climb than <laughs> yeah. I'll I'll. Work through the recap quickly because there's so many talking points to discuss and I want to hear Benji's thoughts on them. Then Paduan eventually dropped Sepp Koos. Yes, you heard that correctly. Mark Paduan, the Ukrainian 24-year-old on Byron Victorious. We first noticed Koos pulled for eight seconds. I was like, that's weird. Like, First of all, we were thinking, why is Paduan pulling Kuz? Kuz went to a $1.70 in the live odds and then Paduan drops him. He attacks him. He's like, <laughs> Kuz, if you ain't going to pull, <laughs> get out of here. Gaps him. Coos can't respond. They'd attacked with like 8Ks vintage at this point. Kuz attacking way too early. Port's just pacing Musk, pacing that group. He's got them at 10 seconds, 14, 16 seconds. But Paduan opens up on them. And he opens up another 40, up to 40 seconds on the port Musk group. And back in the GC group, once Izagiri finishes his pull, Chaos starts to open up. Lopez attacks. Kreuzweik has dropped. Godou and O'Connor were pulling. O'Connor looked very strong again. The stage hunter guys are attacking. Thomas can initially respond to Lopez's first attack, but not the second one. And so O'Connor, Lopez, bridge across to the Mass Port group, which is second on the road just about with Koos somewhere in no man's land, and Thomas can't respond. see Gagenhart looking behind, trying to pull for Thomas, and eventually, I think Thomas has to do it himself or gear it was pulling. So a good outcome for Movistar, the problem is the stage wins up the road with paduan He eventually rides away and takes this stage, a crazy win for Mark paduan which we'll talk about his previous Palmares in a second. And we've got Lopez, Mas, Mus pulling for uh, Lopez, trying to gain time. And they got two on one on port. They drop O'Connor. I mean, when Lopez was bridging across, Mus was also pulling, which is a bit weird. But eventually Port attacks or Lopez attacks and Port then counters, drops Lopez, gaps him easily, and puts big time like not big time, but given that it was the last K, a lot of time into Miguel Alana Lopez. So Port the strongest in guy by far. And uh, just a really, really weird, <laughs> weird stage the way it played out with this is the top ten. Perdun first, port. Second, 34 seconds back. Lopez, third, takes four bonuses, 43 back. Same time as Haig. Haig finished really strong. Two Bahrain guys in the top four. Ben O'Connor, fifth, Ku sixth on 52. Guru seventh on 56 with musk. Thomas only finishing three seconds behind Musk. So he saved a lot in the last two Ks. Grant Thomas, Lutschenko, tenth with Valverde at a minute and a minute 04. Kelderman not having a good stage, nor Quintana or fight, But first things first, Benji, who's the big winner or losers of the day? Obviously, Paduan, but are Ineos happy today or Movistar, or are both kind of like, mm, about par?
1: I think they both are a bit on par today because you've got the situation where Thomas is now seen as the rider that is not leading Ineos anymore for the competition. They're going to be marking port now. And the reason that he got away today is that he wasn't being marked the same way than Thomas. So I think they had a perfect play today in the fact that people were starting to undervalue Port due to the fact that Thomas has been the rider everybody has been looking at for a few days now. And we noticed the last few days that Port wasn't really closing down the gaps too much. And I thought perhaps it's because he's not good at the moment, but I'm guessing that it probably was a wise decision then at that point, and it brought undervalue on him in the eyes of the others and i think that was a really good card that came into play today the fact that he was not being marked as well as a thomas for example and otherwise if thomas attacked i think lopez would have followed
0: yeah exactly the fact that
1: port attacked was mars following mars being the second person on movistar following the so-called second person before the stage started on Ineos, and we saw that cuz was going to respond to that and so forth Movistar is not going to be perfectly happy because not only did they accidentally send the wrong rider with, accidentally, yeah, the rider that they didn't see as the head leader of, Movistar, uh, of Ineos, they didn't send Lopez with, um, with the attack of Port. they sent Maz there. So I'm guessing that Movistar themselves are going to be like, ah, that's a bummer. And towards the end as well, the fact that Lopez as well gets dropped after attacking Port undervaluing Port again because he probably thought, I'm going to drop this guy, but that was not the case. I think that if they all were together and had to fight each other on similar levels, then Port and Lopez might not have been able to drop each other, but the fact that Lopez had to bridge that up and then try and drop Port probably made that Port was basically a bit more fresh at that point. And Port also decided not to counter Kaz and Patton, when they decided to go ham a few kilometers before that. So, why is riding out safe for Port? I wouldn't say that he wasn't having the legs to follow Kaz and Patton at that point. I think he was keeping in mind that at that point, a lot could still happen on the climb. So, all in all, both teams have their moments where they could say, ah, oh, this was good. And their moments where the hindsight outcome of it is not totally ideal yet, because while Port is now in the leader's jersey for Ineos. Thomas is a bit farther behind and also there's another mountain stage to come. So now they know that Ineos is playing the card of board in the coming stage unless something changes again. But I feel like it's much more transparent who's leader on each team and that's going to be a, a benefit for the other teams that are against them and perhaps not as much so benefit of the riders that are more transparent towards other teams, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, I think finishing the day, you look at the results, I mean, it it was a bit chaotic for Ineos, but I think Port was so strong. And this revised GC, Ineos are going to be more happy with than Movistar. Port goes into the leaders' jersey 17 seconds ahead of Lushenko and 29 seconds ahead of Thomas. So Ineos still got two guys in the top three. Kelderman on 33 seconds, Haig on 34, Lopez on 38. I think Movistar really would have liked... Lopez at least ahead of Thomas today rather than being nine seconds behind because yeah, yeah. Izagiri on 38, great performance from him, and O'Connor on a minute eight, Guru t- ninth on 112, Patapantra 117. Uh, where did Patapantra finish the stage? Honestly, I feel like Patapantra should have uh, pulled for O'Connor o- or O'Connor. I think O'Connor's mistake, Benji, was not getting in the Kus move because he was really, really strong. Uh, but, I mean, 34 seconds per ahead of port. I,
1: I think, um, yeah, I think by are actually pulled for O'Connor for quite a bit there. Oh, he I did a good kilometer and then he was done for and dropped. But I think if he went all out, he probably wouldn't be still 23 seconds behind. So I think he just didn't go all out pulling for O'Connor. He just rode a pace, if that makes any sense.
0: I think we can all truthfully say none of us saw Mark Rondon winning this stage. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm scared to look at what the odds would have been for him before this stage. <laughs> crazy level, crazy performance. I, I haven't seen any data on the, the times they did on the speeds, etc. This is his first World Tour win. I uh, guess he's 24 and he has shown talent in that in 2018 when he was 21. He won a Tour of the Alps stage, hilly stage, you know, 38k an hour average. I'm not sure if it was whether it was from a break or not, but it was stage five, and he beat good riders. He beat Bennett, Hiet, Chicone, Ben O'Connor, Pino, Lopez, Froome. This is 2018 pre-Giro Froome. So, yeah, he beat good riders there, but then we've not really seen anything. Uh, you might remember he was in that break with Narvaez in the Giro last year. He got a mechanical, so he couldn't contest the win, ended up coming second. He is looking a bit leaner uh, now in the, in the Dauphiné this year, but he's... He's not been very good, and he said he had bad legs the first few stages, but then first mountain stage absolutely crushes it. Hay coming fourth as well. The Bahrain guy's just looking really strong. Um, But yeah, what do you think? Do you think we'll see another result from this from for Benji, or is he just like a completely hot and cold rider?
1: He's been inconsistent throughout his career so far, and yeah, his results in the past definitely shout that he's got talent, but it has been on a consistent level, and therefore he hasn't had the opportunity to go for... A uh, AGC in proper fashion. And therefore, I'm more looking towards breakaway stages in Grand Tours as an opportunity for him in the future. But he's already dried that. We've had that Geo stage last year that Narvaez won indeed. But I think that he can do more. I think that he showed today that he's, on his day, a very, very good climber. Definitely. And I think that Bahrain, yeah, I don't know what would have happened if Bahrain had had not Help Haig a bit more today. I don't know. I don't think that would have done much. I don't think that's worth it. I think that Baden for the stage is a good thing that happened. And I'm curious what he will do tomorrow. Will he try to help out Haig then a bit more, considering Haig could enter the top three if he plays it right? He's now five seconds behind that. And, um, or he goes for another stage, but it's not an up mountain finish tomorrow. We'll go into that in a second. But I think I also want to mention the, uh, losers of the stage in my eyes and that's a bit of stana because they had two leaders and they finish with well two of them losing time significantly in the sense that Lutsenko drops to second and is now 17 seconds behind the leader jersey and Izaguirre drops five spots in GC because he had to work for Lutsenko so you think they were forced to choose the wrong leader by having Lutsenko in the lead jersey?
0: Yeah, maybe. Uh, I'm not sure how Isagira would have gone anyway. I mean, he had plenty of opportunities. There, there were lots of opportunities to bridge across. To you know, people were bridging all the time. Mass and uh, Lopez bridging to Mars with O'Connor. Gudu attacking. The wheels were there, taking people up the road. If you had the legs, I just think Luchenko and Isagira were both full. I think. Mm-hmm. It's good keeping them close on GC for tomorrow because tomorrow is a bit of a it's – a, it's a difficult stage, one of the hardest stages we'll have this year, I think, from La, la Chere to Le Bain to Le Gette. 148 Ks, we have one all-category climb, but there's two or well, three climbs at the start in the first 84 Ks. 11 Ks, 5%, 12 Ks, 5%, 12 Ks, 6%, with no flat, just descents in between them. Then a longer descent, and then sort of a valley section before the Col de Plain. 11.7 Ks, 8.5% descent to Morzine. And then I think it's a uh, false flat uphill, 2.4 Ks, 5% up to the line. It's uh, it's a hard day. It's going be difficult to control. It's a bit easier for Ineos, the gradients, than today on the first two major climbs. I think Van Baal, Kowski, Rodriguez, Amador, very short pulls today. Uh, but then on the Col de Plan, you you want riders in the valley before then. So how do you see tomorrow playing out, Benji? A start of kept Lutschenko and Izaguirre close on GC. Do they send riders into the break? So they got someone in the valley before Col de Jouplein? Um Do you see any team trying to do that tactic?
1: I would consider that. Definitely an option for multiple teams here. First of all, I, I'm interested what Movistar will do indeed, but I'm also intrigued by that small hill at the start of the stage that two kilometer hill just before the start, well, just after the start. And what I'm curious is, will that breakaway form on that small climb? It's too short for that. And that's why the descent could come into play and rulers could get in there as well. And then you're looking at perhaps getting an Arcos in the break as well again, but perhaps Movistar decides, let's put Arviti in the breakaway as well. And if multiple teams try and get satellite riders up there, this could become a very interesting stage. But I think the issue here, is that between Colombier and Chouplan we've got a really relatively large valley like 20 kilometers roughly which means that you can't just go on Colombier and hope that the flat section is survivable alone you can't do that so you need someone in the breakaway if you want to go on Colombier and I'm guessing that the stage therefore might be a bit more closed in the first section also I hope not um and Therefore, I think that the last climb might be everything all out. It doesn't seem like the stage like last year where the last stage of Dauphine, everything could explode. While the GC is set up for something like that to happen because a lot of teams are still behind and need to get rid of people that are ahead of them. It just seems like that plateau section works against that. Got the same feeling or not?
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be more difficult for the race to be broken up completely, yeah, because of the steady gradients. I mean, Colombia. let's have a look at the gradients. Oh, Aravi has steep sections at the end. It's false flat at the start, so it is steep in the last 4Ks. Colombia a bit more regular. Juplain is pretty steady. I think, say Port is the strongest tomorrow, it's going to be difficult. He's got that sort of false summit and then a short ridgeline section after the call Jou Plan, then a descent i don't know how technical it is to morzine i mean he's not the best descender in the world i've seen he's been losing the wheel all week and then a sort of a punch of 5ks or 7ks up to the line that's not a steep gradient at all i think the problem this is why i think movistar are not going to be happy with today's result it's because Oh, look at Lopez, thirty-eight seconds behind Port. I mean, if you try a descent attack and wait for late for a descent attack off Col de Jouplain, you're not gonna make up thirty eight seconds. I don't it's not possible. So whereas if it was say 10 seconds on the road plus the 10 second bonus, and you were 12 seconds back. It's sort of possible for that late attack whereas Movistar, yeah. they're going to have to attack on Claude de you and try and drop Port and uh, and Thomas. I think they can drop Thomas. I think Mas, you, do you think if I, if you're in the Movistar bus today, Benji, do you say to Enric Mas, you're riding 100% to support Lopez pulling, or do you try and use him as an attacker again?
1: I'd have him go for Lopez because you. the thing is. If Maz attacks, then they're going to put Thomas in that wheel. And then, well, what's going to happen? Maz and Thomas have not been the strongest of their teams. And Thomas is ahead of Maz and GC. Then Lopez needs to respond anyway. So I just don't see a situation where a Movistar rider like Maz could make a move where it comes into play for Lopez. Today it kind of did because Maz was able to pace for Lopez. But I feel like... The fact that people now know that Lopez is the leader of that team makes it that they don't necessarily need to respond to Maz either at the start because the guy is still a lot behind. Like Inyas could just fake base and Lopez will try and bridge up to Maz at a certain point because I don't think Maz is gonna take 40 seconds on that climb on the Inyas 20. No. And I just don't I don't see a, a position or way where that could come into play and actually help out Lopez. And I think that using him for Lopez just like that might be might be playing out better. But how? That's a good question. It. The only way that you could do so is if you pace in the group where everybody still is. But then what's going to happen? You're just going to bring Thomas in and Port a bit further. So it's very hard to look into what Miles and Lopez should do here. I think that Lopez should be brought to a point where he could just attack all out on this climb. and. Today wasn't enough. He was able to get away from the people in the elite group, but they all had already given it an advantage to Port. So will Port be able to follow if Lopez does that from the group where Port is in? That's a different question, and that's a question we don't have the answer to yet. And I'd love to know that, but I think it's going to be hard to play with Moss as a uh, as a rider to get into a bit of an attack and try to bridge up to that or or try to force others to pace in that group because. He's just too far behind for that, I think.
0: You know who I think wins the stage in GC. It's possible. I'm Jack Haig. I think yeah. you've got an opportunity. Where he's climbing so well. He finished that climb so strong. You got Movistar and Ineos potentially looking at each other. So you have got a group of Lopez, Mas, Port, Thomas. Haig in that group over Je- Col de Juclain. I think he has an opportunity to try and put them under pressure where they look at each other and say no you chase, no you chase I think he's probably a, be- a better descender than Thomas and Port probably equivalent to Lopez and it's reminding me of that Fulsang stage where Fulsang and Landa went clear with Haig in Andalusia or Valenciana maybe last year before lockdown I think Haig could win this stage um, also I mean Movistar are gonna be going for G C. Valverde could also win the stage. Like if if it's if a big group at the finish, which we hope it isn't, then Valverde should be the favourite. <laughs> given this sort of uphill drag, again, mm-hmm. he should be winning out of that group. Uh with the kick he showed the other day. I think Gagan Hart, Ineos would have liked him a bit closer on G C. Maybe do they try and get him in the break, Benji? If they wanna be the thing is they got port with the yellow jersey. Yeah. I, I don't see Ineos, you know, if if Ineos were Really behind the eight ball, then they start playing big cards like Gegenhard on the early climbs and trying to get him to bridge to a break or something like that. But yeah, I think if I'm them, I send Amador in the break, and um, if I'm Movistar, I try and send yeah Artacastle Irvati in the break again. Once again, if I'm Bahrain, I try and get Haller or some again in the break. He's been pretty tired, but yeah, I can't wait to see tomorrow's stage. I think it'll start pretty early, so today's finished at two thirty. Um, but yeah, I don't have a firm handle on what will happen. I hope it's not feel too like, defensive. Yep.
1: You feel like a team like Astana should try a, def- a descent on one of the earlier climbs again, like they did in the past. They've got Aramburu here, Izaguirre, Lutsenko and Rodriguez, all four of which are on paper pretty decent descenders and a few of them even great descenders like Izaguirre and Aramburu. So perhaps, I just don't know whether the... Aravi or Colombier descends are really technical. They don't remind me as technical descends, but I do recall. Wasn't Aravi in that stage where he she crashed last year? in the
0: well, tour, Or am
1: I just, <laughs> I'm, am I just, I might be completely wrong. Be and um, all in all, I do think that I'd love to see that. I'd love to see a situation where Astana just breaks open the reins like they did in Basque Country. Because that could really come into play here if they can bring Ineos into a situation like Pogacar was brought into a situation in Basque country. Yeah, because that's a good point. They're not top-notch descenders, Thomas and Borg. So forcing in a descend will be much better than forcing on the climb against them.
0: Exactly, that's a good point. Astana aren't going to make up the time they're behind on Col de Plan. Like, it's not happening. So you need to do something different. Perhaps, yeah, you attack over the top of the Colombier, you got satellite riders in the valley, you get into a long valley, and then you got to... I mean, you probably get chased down by Dylan Bambal and Kwiatkowski. Uh, but at least you're yeah. putting Ineos under pressure. Uh, I think that's... Benji makes a fair point. The thing is, Duchenko's only 17 seconds behind uh, Richie Port With the 10-second stage bonus, he would only need... If he just makes it over the Col de Joux plan group, he can...
1: Nah, i I, I do it... I generally decide... During the stage, to go for Izaguirre, because it finished in a descent. Jonas Izaguirre is one of the best descenders in the peloton, top 10 at least. Yeah. He's the rider I would go for on this stage. It's 20 seconds difference, but you're not going to win this race with Lutsenko, I think. And I think there's a bigger chance that you are able to put in a crazy attack in the descent with Izaguirre and, and force something. So... Based on the descending I've seen from both those riders, Lutsenko has been decent at descending, but not at the level that Izaguirre is at. So, I dare to just say, the moment that we have two riders left, and it's Lutsenko and Izaguirre, we don't do what we did today. Exactly. We're riding for Izaguirre instead of Lutsenko.
0: Well, I think definitely don't just have Izaguirre pacing with Port and Carp the Road. That's just... You are going to lose that way. I think you, if it gets to that stage, you've already lost. I think the better, yeah, use Zagira as an attacker on a descent at some point, maybe as a backup option. If it's all, if it's slower than we expect tomorrow, have Luchenko in the GC group, and he can try something on that f- sort of two point four k, four point six percent finale. Try and gain five six seconds on Port on the road and take the ten bonus. Then you're getting close to winning GC. Uh, but hopefully it's a bit more open than that. But let us know down below who do you like for the stage. Will Sept Coos go clear on Col de Joux He's behind on GC, I think. Where is he now? Oh, one attack too early. One minute twenty-six. He attacked too early again today. Um, Will Mark Perdun take back-to-back stage wins as the new mountain superior mountain man? I mean, it was he out of contract, Benji? He, he Mark Padun's out of contract, so he just Ooh. he just earned himself a, a bigger contract for next year, <laughs> I think. But yeah, let us know down below what you think and we'll see you with the recap of stage seven tomorrow.